Wrestling with the Basics is made possible by, uh, in part by a generous gift from Set Apart to Serve, uh, the church work recruitment initiative of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Many church workers always knew they wanted to serve in Christ's church, but many pastors, teachers, and other full-time church workers left careers to pursue this life of service. If you are a friend that have been praying and thinking about a second career as a church worker, the Set Apart to Serve team wants to help you. Visit kfuo.org slash SAS. That's kfuo.org slash SAS. By the way, Matt, do you think people understand that, that, that the dot there is actually just the period button? Because I've looked on my keyboard for hours trying to find the, the dot the uh, dot button. <laughs> but it's just it's just the period, right? It's one in the same, John, one in the same. All right, good. Uh, so anyway, let's begin our show. We're on a mission from God. something completely different. Let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, baby! Yeah! My name is Pastor Jolly John Lukomsky, and uh, I am presently back up north in the very pleasant uh, weather of uh, Northfield, Minnesota. And I have with me Pastor Matt Youngblood Clark. I am uh, coming to you from a little warmer climes uh, in beautiful South St. Louis. Uh, it's, it's a pretty decent day outside, John. Uh, I'm looking out my window here at Ascension Lutheran, and uh, it's, it's a nice day. But uh, as I was sharing with you uh, before the show, uh, last week we moved our son into a school up at Concordia University in Chicago, uh, and it was the hottest day they had in 11 years in Chicago as we moved into his the third floor of his dorm with no elevator, of course. Uh, so it was a hot one, John, let me tell you. But he's moved in. Uh, he's settled. It's cooler there, too, and, and he's a happy camper. Yeah, yeah, because Chicago normally would be kind of like the weather we have here in Minnesota. But just for you, just because they were afraid you might get chilled. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt a lot like St. Louis that day. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Wanted to make Noah feel at home he as he begins exactly. his study. Um, <laughs> well, do you want to make the big announcement or should I make the big announcement? Because something oh. radically different is, is going to be true of Wrestling with the Basics starting with this episode. You, That's you right. Make... I think it's good news, John. I think our hearers will receive it well. Uh, but this is the first time, I think, maybe maybe in the history of Wrestling with the Basics. Go ahead. I'll let you do the honors, John. Go ahead. All right. Well, well, the, the demand for Wrestling with the Basics has become so predominant. The voice is crying out, we want more Wrestling with the Basics. They have now given us an extra three minutes, Matt. Isn't that something? <laughs> that is something, John. Thank you, KFUO, for extra time. Uh, we, <laughs> we'll so, so, we'll so see for, what we do with those three minutes, John. <laughs> well, see, that's what I was going to say. So I, I, I give this announcement to Matt that instead of 24 minutes, we'll now be 27 minutes. And, and what was your response? Do you remember what your response was, Matt? What are we going like to do with three the... more minutes of bad jokes? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure our listeners are thrilled. I know. They're just beside themselves. Well, uh, I tell you what, I think we need to get started because this is a big episode in another respect. We've been doing a summer series 
on the Psalms, the Summer of Psalms. And since it's well into September now, I guess it's time to wrap that up. <laughs> and and what what psalm are we going to finish with, Matt? Yeah, let's let's finish with Thanksgiving, John. I think that's a good way to finish. Oh, giving thanks to God. Okay. Uh, so we want to take a look at Psalm 30. So if you're listening at home and you have your Bible handy, turn to Psalm 30. Um, psalm 30 is a psalm uh, written by David, like so many of the other psalms. Uh, and it's a psalm that I think when you read it, the thanksgiving comes clear. But I think also as you read it, you kind of get a sense for the context, perhaps, in which David gives thanks. I, I know so, I know the context. Yeah. Okay. He, he's got a big turkey and dressing and mashed potatoes. And that's the context, isn't it, Matt? <laughs> that's right. It's a, that's right. Everything, yeah. It, well, not quite, John. Not, Cranberries. Not quite. No, I, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I didn't mean no, to jump no in No no Indians. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but that does sound tasty, John. Uh, yeah. And this, this could be an a appropriate psalm to read around the Thanksgiving table oh, okay. this November, so keep that in so, mind, maybe. I'm not that far off then. All right. Yeah, yeah. So as we read through, I thought maybe perhaps let's just read through the psalm. It's 12 verses. As you read through it, though, be thinking for the context in which David shares the word of the psalm. What, what may have happened immediately before this that prompted him to give these words of thanksgiving to God? So, And, let's, and it uh, isn't a, and nothing to do with the pilgrims. You know, sadly okay. no, John. All right, All right. I'll, I'll read it, and, and you've made my wife happy because she says, why don't you read the Bible more? That's what she keeps saying to me. All right, Lynn, th this is for you. Psalm 30, here we go, verses 1 through 12. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help, and you have healed me. O Lord, you've brought up my soul from Sheol. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. By your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain sand strong. You hid your face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O oh, Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. All right, now you got me wondering. So, so that's a strange kind of set. It's like it's like all over the place. It's this joy, and yet there's obviously been some terrible sadness. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the context in which it's done, yeah, there has been some terrible sadness. I think you're right, John. So as you listen to that, I think one of the things that comes out is David has been delivered from something. Yes. Okay? Uh, God, the Lord, has delivered David from something. Something bad has happened. God has rescued him. So yeah, so we go back, for example, to verse 1, right? Um, okay. I will extol you, Lord, for you have drawn me up. So 
something bad was going on, and the Lord drew him up out of that. Um, verse 11, uh, toward the end, uh, you have turned my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. So David was mourning. He was in sackcloth, but yet the Lord turns it into dancing and gladness. So again, deliverance, right? Um, and then verse 5 maybe is the one that's most poignant, where it says, for his anger is but for a moment and his favor for a lifetime, talking about the Lord. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. So there was t- weeping in the night, joy comes in the morning, deliverance. But the other thing that's interesting, too, is his anger is for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. So the, the, the turmoil that David was delivered from, it seems like perhaps its source was in part from from who? From from God. From God, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. His anger is for a moment, God's anger is for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. So it, it is interesting. It seems as though um, he's delivered from something, something that was really perhaps caused by the Lord himself, but yet the Lord himself is one who delivers him out of that turmoil. So an interesting psalm. So we kind of do this detective work. You know, what was the context then? So we... Well, the, and, that's and, and, what. And, and to just yeah, interrupt ahead, you, I mean, obviously, it's really something serious because we have his soul being brought up from yeah. Sheol. He, has, he mentions going down to the pit twice. Yes. All right. So Detective, detective yeah. Matt. Yeah. Right. So yeah, just, the, 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 the Sheol thing real quick. You know, he goes, you know, why, why, why send me to Sheol? I, I can't praise you from, the, from death, right? You know, this idea, you know, deliver my life, Lord, and, and, and preserve my life because, you know, I'm not much used to you if I'm dead, right? Yeah. You know, so <laughs> let me praise you in the land of the living, right? So this detective work, it delivers from something, something that was maybe at the hand of the Lord. So that's one clue. The other clue is the, the, the subheading under chapter 30. Do you have that in front of you, John, the, the, the reason or the occasion of this was yeah. written for? And see, that puzzles me. I hope you can answer or help me. It says a song at the dedication of the temple, but <laughs> but David didn't dedicate the temple, if I remember correctly. There was no temple to dedicate, was there? Yeah, so we, we call it Solomon's temple, right? So yeah. David's son, Solomon, is the one who actually builds the temple, dedicates the temple. So what's the deal here? Uh, what is the context in which the psalm is written? So, well, Sherlock, clues. I hope you've got an answer for well, us. I've, I've got, I've got an answer. I think is pretty good, pretty okay, uh, a pretty viable answer. And what what I want to do is then look at uh, perhaps the context in which this was written. First Chronicles chapter twenty one, John. Ooh. Do you have your your Bible handy oh, or your Bible app? I know it takes a little while computer. to get to it, maybe. But First Chronicles, um, First 21. Chronicles chapter. I'm 21. There. I can't I'm remember there. the last time we looked at First Chronicles on I Wrestling know. with the Basics, but here we go. <laughs> That's on my list of things to do, by the way. Look at First Chronicles more. Right. So I'm glad <laughs> I can check that off my to-do list. Some good stuff. So, so I see the title says, David's census brings pestilence. Yes. Is that where you're going? Okay. Yeah, that's where I'm going. So that sounds pretty bad. Something you need to be delivered from, right? Yeah. So uh, so let's take a look at that, John. It's kind of an interesting account here, unique one that we don't always hear about in David's life, right? We know about David and Goliath or David and Bathsheba. We know about Saul chasing down David. We know about David's Psalms. Um, we know about all those familiar accounts. But, you know, we don't really talk about this one all that much. 
David um, and Absalom. We talk about that David a lot. Too. Yeah, yeah, the list goes on. Some yeah. really, really, you know, much of the Old Testament is occupied with David and his life, when you think about it. But this is an account that maybe we don't talk about that much, and one that's really not all that flattering, <laughs> for David at least. So uh, if you're there, John, First Chronicles chapter 21, if you want to read verses 1 and 2. Okay. Then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the army, Go number Israel from Beersheba to Dan and bring me a report. Bring me, excuse me, my mouth isn't working. And bring me a report that I may know their number. All right. So talking about counting, you know, specifically, as we'll see, the, the troops, like the fighting, yeah. able-bodied people, okay, uh, for, for war if battle comes. And it's kind of interesting. So who incites David to do this? Did you catch that? Yes, it's Satan. Satan, Satan yeah. incites him to do that. So what's so bad about counting your troops? I mean, is that a sinful thing to do? Is that a wrong thing to do? Well, you know, if, if I had my wife in here, she'd be able to tell me exactly. But I think, was there a command that they were not supposed to take a census? Was yeah. there some word of God that says, don't do that? Uh, and, and the reason is, of course, because then you'd be trusted in your numbers. And I think God dramatically shows over and over again, I don't care how many you got, I'm going to win the battle. Exactly. So it, that, that's the big thing, John, is that this is, it shows a lack of trust in the Lord, right? Yeah. You know, his trust is in the numbers, how big his army is, instead of trusting the Lord. So yeah, that, that's not good, you know, um, a lack of trust in God. So uh, yeah, let's just read on verses uh, 3 and 4. But Joab said, may the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are, are they not, my lord the king, all of them, my lord's servants? Why then should my lord require this? Why should it be a cause of guilt for Israel? But the king's word prevailed against Joab. So Joab departed and went through all, all Israel and came back to Jerusalem. Yeah, so so Joab protests. Really, you know, he's the general of, of, of David's army, his right-hand man. And he protests really what, what, with what you said, John, right? Yeah. That you know, numbers don't matter. If the Lord's on our side, yeah. If, if God is for us, who can be against us, as Paul would write, later write in the book of Romans? Exactly. All right, so he goes in and takes this number, and then Chronicles uh, gives us the numbers. But then we jump down to verse 7, where we see God's reaction. What does God think about all this? Well, if you want to read a, verses 7 and 8. Pretty, pretty straightforward here. Yeah. But God was displeased with this thing, and he struck Israel. Yeah. And then, yeah, verse 8 there too, John. And God said, or David rather said to God, I have sinned greatly in that I have done this thing. But now please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have acted very foolishly. Yeah. Yeah. So David confesses right away, it seems, yeah. his sin. Yeah. And does the Lord forgive David? Well, you know, it doesn't say explicitly that he does, but yeah, he forgives David. But I think in very similar to that episode with David and Bathsheba, there's still consequences of David's sinful action. Um, and we see what those consequences are. So uh, God speaks to, to David, and uh, <laughs> he gives him uh, kind of pick your own consequence, all right? Um, if you want to read verses 9 through uh well, 9 through 13. And the Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say to David, Thus says the Lord, Three things I offer you, choose one of them, that I may do it to you. So Gad came to David and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Choose what you will, 
either three years of famine or three months of devastation by your foes while the sword of your enemies overtakes you, or else three days of the sword of the Lord, pestilence on the land with the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territory of Israel. Now decide what answer I shall return to him who sent me. All right. So uh, so here it is. God gives David three options. You know, I, I don't know what you make of that, John. Um, you know, why does... <laughs> Why does God do that? You know, He usually doesn't operate that way, right? No. Uh, choose your choose your uh, choose your punishment almost really here, um, but it's I, I think in some ways it's almost like God saying, "Okay, Mister Smarty Pants, if you're if you're going to worry about numbers, here's here, I'll give you number three. Here's three different things that could happen. That's, that's in the Hebrew, isn't it? I, I think it's in the Hebrew, Mister Smarty Pants. Mister Smarty Pants. That's right. It's in the that's Hebrew, right. yeah. That's, uh, yeah, yeah. Four years of seminary has taught me <laughs> Mister Smarty Pants that's in right. Hebrew. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, it's, you know, he uses numbers, three different punishments, yeah, and yeah. then those punishments even have numbers to them too, right? Well, three years or three yeah. months or three days. So you're going to worry about numbers, David. Here's some numbers for you. Take your pick. Um, and, and so David does. Uh, so verse 13, John, here's uh, what, what he picks, if you, if you could read that. So, so, so Matt, are, 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 can I make a comment about yeah, why please. maybe he gives those three choices? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, because it occurs to me that there's three options here. You can be punished by nature, yeah, right, uh, three yeah. years of famine, or you can be punished by your enemies, yep. three months of devastation, or you can be punished by the Lord, the yeah. angel, the sword of the Lord, the angel yeah. of the Lord. Uh, and maybe that explains why, let's see, then David said to Gad, I'm in great distress, let me fall into the hand of the Lord. For his mercy is very great, but not but do not let me fall into the hand of man. Yeah, exactly. So so that that shapes David's choice, right? So he picks option yeah. number three, door number three, the pestilence, <laughs> um, because that's at the hand of the Lord. You know, and it says that specifically. So David says, "Let me fall into the hand of the Lord," because he knows God is is merciful, right? God is gracious. God is compassionate. He is steadfast love. And so that's where David, that's what David picks. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, so, that's, that's the whole point. If, mm-hmm. if we know that we've sinned, if we know and we confess that we need to be punished, where, where are you going to turn to? You're going to punish yourself. Uh, you're going to let the world punish you. Your enemies punish you. And, and as he says, no, 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 no. Fall into the hands of the Lord. Now, you'll be disciplined, right? That's what it says in Hebrews. The Lord disciplines those he loves. But he's, his mercy is very great. I love that verse. His mercy. Well, all right. Now it's all fitting into the psalm. I'm seeing it fitting into the psalm. Okay, good, good, yeah. good, good. Yeah, so we kind of see this. Okay, so again, thinking of Psalm 30 for the backdrop of all this, yeah. we see that, yes, yeah, something bad happens, okay, at the hand of, you know, Davidson's, but then at the hand of God, there's punishment to be delivered from. So we haven't got to the deliverance part yet. We just got to the punishment part so far, but let's get to the deliverance. So if you could read on, John, with verses 14 and 15. Yeah, and this is really cool, Matt. Uh, Nice connection, Sherlock. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel, and 70,000 men of Israel fell. And God sent the angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. But as he was about to destroy it, the Lord saw, and he relented from the calamity. And he said to the angel who was working destruction, It is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor of Ornon, the, Jebu- the Jebusite. 
Yeah, so pestilence throughout the land. 70,000 fall. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, probably more than David would have lost in a war even, you know. <laughs> He's so worried about his troops. So there's a great loss of life. But then the Lord comes to Jerusalem, and even specifically, even at the specific site, right, the threshing floor of this guy, Ornan, um, and the Lord stops. And why does he stop? Um, because the Lord, uh, he relents from the calamity. Um, it's enough. It's enough, the Lord says. Um, the Lord has mercy. He relents from what he's doing. So uh, we have a, a really just kind of a beautiful picture here of the Lord being merciful to David. Um, so then we, we read on, if you're ready, John, uh, verses 16. Uh, let's do 16 through 17 and to see David's uh, reaction and words to all of this. And David lifted his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven, and in his hand a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders, clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. And David said to God, Was it not I who gave command to number the people? Is it I, is it I who have sinned and done great evil? But these sheep, what, what have they done? Please let your hand, O Lord my God, be against me and against my father's house. But do not let the plague be on your people. Yeah, so you see David, you know, finally, yeah, David, the Lord's anointed, the king, is, is finally not thinking of himself, but thinking of the people. And even there in yeah. sackcloth and crying out to the Lord on behalf of the people for the Lord to have mercy. Um, you know, let your hand be against me, Lord, rather than upon these people. So two more verses that I think then are going to inform us about Psalm 30. So two more verses, John, hang in there. Um, let's read verse 18, and then we're going to read, uh, all, we'll skip over to verse, uh, verse 1 of the next chapter, okay? So verse okay. 18 and then verse 1. Now the angel of the Lord had commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And then okay. jumping down. To yeah, very good, very good. So yeah, good. 21. And then uh, verse one of verse of chapter twenty. And 22. here comes the big wrap up here, Matt. I'm beginning to. It's all fitting together. It's all coming together. Then David said, "Here shall be the house of the Lord God, and here the altar of burnt offering for Israel." Yeah. So here we go. Uh, this is the spot there in Jerusalem where David builds an altar to the Lord, okay? But then also gives this little sneak preview here that this will be the place where the house of the Lord is built. Uh, so this spot, this spot in Jerusalem, this very spot where the Lord has mercy on his people and so steadfast love to David and the people of Israel, and where David makes this sacrifice, this will be the very same spot where the temple will in the next generation, be built. Uh, a place where, you know, through those animal sacrifices, you know, the Lord again and again gives this picture of his mercy, his forgiveness. So pretty cool. So going back to Psalm 30, okay, you know, David wrote this psalm and the dedication of the temple. Uh, well, here, in a way, um, if David indeed wrote and sang Psalm 30 as he made this altar to the Lord, in a way, he was kind of, yeah, he was kind of dedicating the land of the temple, right? Getting it ready for his son, Solomon, to build, um, whether David knows it or not. Um, he was kind of prepping everything for uh, the building of the temple. Um, so I think that's kind of cool. If, if that is indeed the context in which the psalm was written, I think it all fits together. I think the pieces fit. And uh, what a cool background. I think it just makes the words of Psalm 30 that much more richer and alive for us. 
And, and you know, Matt, we, we, we did that at my congregation at St. Paul because, you know, they had the old church uh, when I came there. And, yeah. of course, uh, there were things there in the old church. And then when they built the new church, they, they took some of that old stuff and they put it in the cornerstone of the new church. And that's kind of what's going on here, isn't it? They're, they're building the temple and Solomon's saying, you know, you remember what my dad wrote back then when he first built that altar years and years ago there at this particular spot? Yeah, that needs to be the psalm we, we speak here as we dedicate this new temple. And what a context to think that the temple was built in the light of, of, of a sin, in fact, the sin of the greatest of, of the Israelites of David himself, and yet also the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that God showed in the context of that sin. What a, what a great way to begin the, the, the new temple. So it's not like we're going to be holy and perfect. No, we'll still be sinners. But now we've got a place where we can go and, and God can uh, lift us up and deliver us. Yeah, exactly. What a beautiful picture. And, and God's deliverance from death here, physical death, and, and God's how he delivers us, you know, in worship through his word and sacrament, yeah. you know, from, from eternal death. Um, his mercy, his grace, his steadfast love shown to us. Yeah. So going back to the words, of, again, of Psalm 30, and especially we, we looked at verse 5 in particular earlier, and we'll return to that for just a little bit, where it says, For God's anger is for a moment, and it, but his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. So you, you think of that in the context of that plague, right? That, yeah, his anger is for a moment, that's for sure. Boy, uh, God, yeah, God did not like what David had done, but his favor... For a lifetime. You know, weeping and, and everything that took place, the mourning that must have happened with all those deaths, yeah, it lasted for a night, but, but joy comes in the morning as the Lord relents and as the psalm is sung in praise to God for his, for his mercy, uh, the psalm of thanksgiving. So I think, you know, in our own lives, we can kind of relate to, to David's words there in, in verse 5. I mean, there's time in our lives where, yeah, that we, we, we weep, right? And sometimes the weeping, it comes at our own hand. You know, we, we make a mess of our lives, right? Uh, with our own sin and our discontent and all those things. Uh, or sometimes it's just living in a, a sinful world where, yeah, there's weeping and there is death and there is sickness. Uh, but yet we have that assurance that joy will come in the morning. Uh, the Lord is not going to abandon us to uh, our weeping and to our despair, uh, but joy will come. And I, I think the reason we can hold on to that is because of um, what took place really very close to this spot in Jerusalem uh, at Jesus' death, right? Uh, so we're, we're, you know, generations later, Jesus dies there just outside of Jerusalem. And boy, there was weeping. And, and there was weeping in what seemed to be nighttime, right? Hours of darkness while Jesus is on the cross. It is dark. It looks like despair. Uh, there's weeping at the foot of the cross, Good Friday, and I'm sure into Saturday too, and Saturday night. But again, like verse 5 says, joy comes in the morning. And you, I can't help but think of Easter Sunday, John, where, yeah, there at the break of day, there in the morning, the empty tomb is discovered. Jesus is alive, never to die again. Joy comes in the morning. It's a guarantee. And, you know, if joy came for David, if that joy is promised in, in Psalm 30, if joy came that morning of Easter, well, certainly, you know, we have, we have that promise of joy, too, uh, despite whatever our present circumstances might be. Well, thank you very much, Matt. I think we made good use of our extra three minutes. This has been 
wrestling with the basics. military veteran, engineer, entrepreneur. These are just some of the former careers held by current LCMS pastors, careers that they left behind to serve congregations in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. No matter the background, our Lord calls men who have a passion for the word and a love for serving Christ to be pastors, a sacred, joyful, and essential vocation. If you or a friend have been praying and thinking about becoming a pastor, visit weareyourseminaries.org and put your experience and skills to new use in pastoral ministry. Visit weareyourseminaries.org seminaries.org.